Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our friends over at Scentlock. The thing that sets Scentlock apart from everyone else is their uh, carbon technology for maximum odor absorption, uh, which will essentially buy you more successful time in the field. I'm a huge fan of Scentlock, so go check out their entire line of products that will keep you covered from the early season all the way to the late season. I've got a good friend of mine, Mr. Shane Mowry, the Bone Maniac. Shane, how are you, man? Man, I'm doing great, Dylan. How are you doing this morning? Oh, better than I deserve. I know that. <laughs> I, I know i'm not it's not as early for me as it is for you i know that i know it's like you know this could be really really to my benefit here because the kids will still be asleep the wife will just be getting them ready for school and i can slip out and uh and scan the fields here for elk and uh and see see what's going on so uh, it was perfect timing uh, I was able. I had to get a couple cups of coffee in though before we had. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the difference. I'm already four cups in. You're only two cups in. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's only- uh, here, <laughs> that's how you do a podcast. Uh, that's how you do a podcast. Sit behind the glass and look for elk while you do a podcast. That's how it's done. <laughs> Amen. Now, all you folks who listen need to take notes. <laughs> speaking of elk hunt, speaking of elk hunt, you just you and your wife. Both just had a successful elk hunt, which I'm incredibly excited to hear about. Before we dive into that, let me give a quick thank you to my friends over at Wise Eye Technology. Uh, me and Shane, we both share a common love for Wise Eye. Um, they are, in fact, the best cellular trail cameras you can possibly buy with game res- with game recognition technology. Um, it will give you the most in-depth scouting you will ever get from a trail camera. And my favorite part of it is I don't have to look through. 14,000 pictures of does. I only get the bucks I want to see. And then beyond that, it recognizes the antlers and categorizes those bucks. So I can go into each folder and look at when that particular buck is showing up. Guys, go check out Wise Eye Technology because they are the best in cellular show cameras. Shane, so so your recent elk hunt, where, where were you at? So we get invited over every year to the Cunningham Ranch. Um, and in Oregon, and it's uh, a town that probably most people knows of. It's over in Pendleton, Oregon, by the uh, famous Pendleton uh, Stampede and the Pendleton Clothing Company, uh, and also my favorite, the Pendleton Whiskey Company. That's uh, that's over there. Um, so it's in that area. The Cunningham Ranch has been around for for decades, and uh, they have a huge uh, cattle and sheep uh, ranch and. They have also, uh, when I say huge, they have a huge population of elk that are constantly um, in competition with their cattle. So <clears throat> they try try to get rid of some of those elk that um, that are, that are you know pretty much eating eating all the cattle out of the out of the range. So uh, they have just right around three hundred thousand acres over there, and it is a um, elk mecca, so to speak. Of course, I, I would really like to to hunt some of the bulls that that I see over there, uh, but that's in time. That's in time. I got I got to do my part. <laughs> get get rid of some of the uh, um, the cow elk that's over there. Of course, I, just one or two tags a year doesn't doesn't cut it. But they 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 usually um, kill anywhere from a hundred and fifty to um, two hundred elk 
off of this piece of property um, every year. And that's really not doing anything um, substantial to the herd because there's just that many and in, in, in repopulated uh, with new calves every year. So it's, it's just helping keep, keep the herd down. Um, so anyway, to make a long story short, we head over there and uh, we filled the freezer. Um, the, the wife was, was looking to, uh, to get her first set of ivories for some folks that are here in Idaho, actually, that, that make some fine jewelry um, out of elk ivories. And she was looking to, to send those over there to have some to have some earrings and what i don't know whatever that stuff that women do you know what i mean <laughs> you know all that stuff that i i'm like I, I don't even have the eye for that thing it's like when it comes to time to like you know presents for the wife and this i'm like i should know better after you know being married for so long and have four kids it's like you should know what they like but it's like nah let's go buy a new gun or let's go buy a new bow <laughs> hey i made fun of my dad super hard because uh I don't know. I don't, I don't remember what anniversary it was. 32nd, 33rd, something like that. He got my mom an electric leaf blower. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing, dude? And then this last, this last, uh, Valentine's day, I got my wife a, a pressure washer. So I'm like, well, crap. Now I'm, I'm going right down the same road. My dad's going down. And I don't know what to do. No, she, uh, I, I think it turned out great. She had been talking, you know, I want to wash my own car and, and, uh, the car wash cost me 12 bucks every time I go through blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, and so she was actually pretty excited about the pressure washer. So I think I did pretty good. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it's a, it's a multi-use tool for the family. So it's, it, they always come in handy. That's for sure. That's the way to look at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now were the bulls fired up when you were there? No, no. In fact, you know how, how it all went down is, you know, um, it's, uh, there's just, you know, we're hunting, we're hunting the drainages and hunting, um, pretty much the pasture grounds, um, there. And, and, and then, you know, this, this part of Oregon around the Pendleton John Day area, it's, it's pretty much high desert, you know, very little trees. We're not down in the timber, um, yeah, for, for genus there, they are some up in the, the timber. Um, but we wanted to control the population that's really hurting hurting the the competition for cattle so it's kind of it's kind of like almost too easy because you're you're seeing hundreds of elk you know with a rifle i should say um and gina's first one was going to let her shoot with a rifle over in oregon so um she got hers and i think once we left the lodge and got out into the field (laughs) uh walked a couple hundred yards and then you're like oh (laughs) there's a lot of elk um, <laughs> at that point, you know, pick out what you want. Well, you know, it was, uh, it was one of those things where you're like, you know, we won't ever say that hunting's easy, but we lucked out. It was like from the time we got there, bought her tag to the time that, uh, she had an elk down, it was like an hour and a half. <laughs> so uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty, um, uh, you know, uh, cut and dry. Uh, for her hunt, she did have to scale some rock face to get into position, uh, which I think that was about the most exciting part she liked. She's like, man, I didn't know if I was going to be able to scale that in time. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, yeah. you know, back there uh, watching it all unfold. And it was uh, it was pretty exciting, you know, watching her uh, take her first elk over in, in Oregon and in that. But uh, and and it was, uh, you know, good freezer meat as as well. You know, that's uh we don't ever, we don't ever go to the market as far as buying, buying meat or anything like that. So mine was a little bit uh, more challenging, I should say, because I yeah, you went from one extreme to the to the other. You were like rifle and then recurve. I mean, yeah. you went from from one end of the spectrum all the way to the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> well, she would she she loves bow hunting. There's no doubt about it. But um, uh, crossbows are, are, are not a thing they hear pretty much in the PNW and uh, she's still waiting on her uh, her, her, her legit <laughs> uh, that's been a hot commodity uh, on bear archery for sure so so we just decided well we'll get to, we'll get the old Christians in some action but uh, for her but yeah I, uh, I decided to take um, take the old super Kodiak out for a walk and 
Um, I actually did want to hunt the timber and do some spot and stock for some elk. And uh, I should say everything uh, went went pretty easy for me as well as far as, um, you know, the hunting concern. We went in for one afternoon and um, there was a lot of a lot of cow calling going on just just mewing everywhere um and the wind was typically in our favor for the most part um throughout the hunt and there was there was two or three different watering holes um that i wanted to really pay attention uh particular attention to um it was because it was still hot it was still almost 97 degrees um the time that we were there so I knew that, uh, you know, water was going to be an issue out West here. We haven't had any rain and well, I'm only, I'm only what, 140 miles from Pendleton. So, uh, the Cunningham ranch is fairly close, um, to our ranch here in Idaho. So, um, pretty much dealing with the same type of, uh, topographical area. And I think May 27th was when he, any substantial rainfall, which I'm talking about any more than like a tenth of an inch um, of rainfall that has happened out here. So dealing with the wildfires, dealing with the smoke, dealing with, um, you know, the dry conditions, uh, you know, water's key right now. And anybody that's hunting out here this, this season, I think should definitely pick up on that because water is key at this point. Um, so I had, well, uh, First stock, uh, I was able to locate uh, a group of cows that was uh, bedded down, and um, I think there was five there, uh, if I recall right. I was able to get into position uh, about 40 yards, and I was pretty comfortable shooting one at 40 yards, um, you know, because it's like shooting at a 55-gallon lid, <laughs> you know, so their their lungs are their lungs are pretty big. Um, so I felt like I could, I could just put the, uh, put that old tube bleed right in there. And I was thinking, wow, I'm doing pretty good. Getting into position. About that time, <clears throat> the wind changed. <laughs> and you know how the old saying is, is, uh, you know, um, uh, how's it go? Go downhill in the morning, go uphill in the evenings. That doesn't really always, uh, happen here uh in these drainages um just to, just the way it is it's it's crazy um with how the wind can circle and oh one of them's nose like caught wind of some stinky guy actually i think it was ethan because he wasn't wearing his ozonics so <laughs> <laughs> he he was had he had his full pack on and i i was like you gotta be kidding me and like there's no way this thing smelled man you know <laughs> The wind, the wind was for the most part in, in my favor, and uh, but it, it switched there because he was kind of flanking me on on this. And uh, one of them stood up. I was at full draw, and everything felt good. And I go to release, and my elbow cracks the back of a tree, <laughs> and I release. Uh-huh. I'm about three quarter draw and I release the air flight's looking good. It's looking good. I'm like, I'm going to smack this thing anyway. It gets about eh, five feet in front of it. I mean, everything's in line and right behind the shoulder and the air just petered out. <laughs> I was like, Bloop. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. And so <laughs> I just laughed a little bit, you know, it's like, yeah, it's no big deal. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm only about an hour in. I'm like, this, this is good. You know? Um, and actually we was all, I was walking into, into the water hole, um, was where I was wanting to hunt because I was, I was, I had the hunt wise app up and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out. And of course, Hannah, that's running, uh, hunt Oregon over there and, uh, on the Cunningham ranch, she, you know, she showed me there's a couple places here. You go do your thing, you know, after we regrouped there a little bit and I flicked my wound there because I wasn't paying attention on what was going on. Um, maybe a little bit of excitement. I, I mean, most people are like, ah, oh, it's just a cow, you know? I, I got a couple comments on that every time you post something, uh, you, you lost me a cow or whatever. And I'm like, you, you people just don't understand. <laughs> yeah. You don't get it. You're missing so, the point. Yeah. You're missing the point. You know, it's, it's a, it's a damaged depot tag for one. And for two, I got a, I got a stick bow 
I got something Indians use in my hand, you know, and, and it's like, you know, uh, you, you gotta be on your A game. You know, a lot of people think that, that whitetail are, are like, uh, stupid smart when it comes to human odors, uh, and things like that. But, uh, it's really tough to fool, to fool an elk. I mean, it, it really is. Um, and they get pretty antsy real quick, um, and get out of Dodge just as quick as, as whitetail, um, from my experience with them too. So, um, it, it's, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough when you put all those things, um, you know, on their turf and try to shoot one. So, but, uh, anyway, we, we head on into the water hole. Um, I mean, no more than I'd say eight to 10 minutes while we're there. Um, but there's cow calls. They're just mewing everywhere. There's a couple of lost calf calls. You know, it's like they're just they're just down in behind us, probably 200 yards. Uh, and we're in the timber now. You know, I'm up in the timber. There's some grazing lands, fields, and then uh, they're just everywhere. I mean, when I say that these guys are overpopulated with with elk, they really are. And and really, this time of year, you know, um, the bulls. <clears throat> you know, well, this was week four last. Just you know, they're they're still doing their own thing. They're still bachelored up, and it's uh it's not time close, but not time uh, for the rut. I just give it some time. We head down in, got into some cover, um, and just waited it out. Let a, let a few cow cows out, and a few calf cows, and uh, you know, just call here and call there. And about that time, you know, they sound like a herd of domesticated cattle when they when they walk through the woods there's no doubt about it you can you can tell what's going on right so um this is this is one that's kind of what they call the the nursery the nursery cow because she had four calves with her so um ah yeah well this it, there's so many there's just so many calves uh and I'm, I, I mean it's an it's really i can't iterate enough like just how many just how many elk they have here on the, on the ranch. It's like, really, they could probably, it's like, even with Hannah was saying, it's like, they could probably kill 300 a year and still couldn't, and still could really maintain a really healthy herd, you know? And there's, there's videos of them showing me like four or 5,000 head of elk on their property that they just have to haze them. Like, um, Oregon, uh, fish and wildlife will get in choppers and they'll put on a big thing on this on this ranch where they just haze the the elk off the ranch and get them push them back into public lands like you know they they really have a problem there there's no doubt about it so <clears throat> these there's it's really typical for these uh um cows to have you know we've even seen actually the one that Gina shot um I think it had six five or six i, I want to say it was six i'll have to look we go back and look at the film but i'm she had six with her uh when she shot that one so um and, and i won't say that these are like calves these are you know year and a half year olds that are like done milking you know for the most part but uh um back to the story is they come in she comes in and uh gets down and gets a drink and i'm like man 32 yards man i just i just I'm still looking my wound at 40 yards, <laughs> you know, so I'm like, you know, and here it is, is like I positioned ourselves to like, to give me a 20 yard shot. Lo and behold, she comes right into the trail, walking right up, walking right up, still the winds in our favor. Everything's good. And she's like, nah, I don't think I want to go in front of him. I'm going to walk around the other side of the water hole to the furthest distance possible. And that's where I'm going to get a drink. <laughs> so, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, I mean, you want the, you want the quickest, uh, most ethical, you know, shot possible. Um, you know, especially if, if, I mean, for me anyway, for, uh, using a, a recurve, I mean, I, I would love to shoot at them within 20 yards all the time. It's not a confidence factor. It's just like, I want to push, push right through it. And even though I know better, I mean, this, this SK is, uh, you know, right around, 68 pounds you know at 29 inch draw on this thing so it's it's moving right when i chronoed it was like 218 at um 486 grains so um it's moving right along but um you know it's it's just one of those things that i like like that a little bit closer but 
Anyway, she's there. She's drinking. I pull back. I'm getting ready to release, and then you see the eyeball out of the corner of your eyes, like, <laughs> you know, after the fact, just as Ethan and I, Cameron's talking. And uh, I go and I feel him. I'm like, all this is happening, like, within seconds, you know. I feel I feel that it, I, t- I brushed him, you know, and I'm getting ready to my release, and, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Not again. There, all this was going on. <clears throat> And of course, the shot at that time, the shots are already gone. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad. And it, it, I guess I was just enough because when I swing and I shoot <clears throat> the way I shoot, um, it's like, it, it, it's, it's a, I don't know. I, <laughs> it's a, it's a lot different on, on, I guess, than, mo- than how most people shoot, uh, when I'm shooting. But, um, I felt him released. Felt like it wasn't good, and it smacked her. <laughs> but it, it was a little bit farther back. I got her in the liver, um, and uh, she ran out of there. I don't know. She ran eighty yards as a crow flies, and the whole time it's like, man, just those sick broadheads are just uh, ridiculous. And uh, it, it, I mean, I, I, at that point, I was like, yeah, I hit something pretty bad at that point to have that amount of uh, blood loss that quick and it blew right through her. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it, it was entertaining. It wasn't quite as quick as my wife's. Um, but you know, it's, it was a meat hunt, you know, and it's, um, just one of those things where I, I enjoyed getting out, filling the freezer. And, um, it's something also that, uh, the local food bank down here at church puts on and, and George Norton runs. And, uh, I, uh, I always process a lot of things, give to them every quarter. I usually give them about 400 pounds of meat every quarter for the community down here in Kamii. So it's something that, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot more than just, you know, some people say, oh, I was just cow hunt. Um, it's just this and well, you know, you lost me at that. But I think a lot of people realize like <clears throat> there's a lot, there's a lot more to it than just um, you know, going out here and shooting a cow. There's there's a lot of things going on. For one, it's it's helping a ranch. It's a depredation tag. Uh, it's also filling the freezer uh, for me and my family of six. And it's helping, uh, you know, in these type of hunts, it's helping uh, my community as well. And um, that's what's important to me. And, you know, a lot of people don't, don't really realize that. But, you know, to get to, to get to experience something like that on a ranch, they're really inexpensive hunts. I mean, uh, you know, as far as, as far as that can, that's concerned. And, you know, a lot of people think that, um, you know, there's, there's places to go, um, like Colorado for OTC, um, you know, 588 bucks for, for a tag in Oregon, which is, I think really cheap. That's, that's bull too. I mean, that's, that's just an elk tag. So I think, I think for the most part, uh, Oregon is underrated as far as their elk herds. Um, I think they're they're sustaining uh, really well. Uh, I might not want to say that out loud, but I, uh, you know, because a lot of people would say, "Oh man, why do you why do you say these things?" You know, um, these podcasts or or uh, you know all the social media or this or that's hurting hunting. I don't think it is. I think it's giving people opportunity to do things that they normally wouldn't have because they don't they don't know these things. You know, take for instance. Um, guys back East don't, don't know what's going on out here. Right. <clears throat> they have no idea. So, um, well, and I get messages all the time, um, of people and, you know, I, there, there's going to be some haters reach out to me because of what, I'm, uh, what I'm about to say, but you know, people reach out and they're like, dude, if we keep telling people about these hunts, we don't have them anymore. And if we keep, you know what I mean? And I'm like, but you're missing the point. Like if we don't create new hunters, then we won't have hunting at all anymore. Like if we don't pass on the way we live and if we don't pass on, you know, our way of life to future hunters, then there'll be none of this anymore. Um, and, and don't worry about, don't worry about, well, there'll be no more elk for me. Uh, really? You know, there, there's not, there's not, we're not going to kill all the elk overnight. You'll be fine. No, um, I- it's stupidity. It, that's all it is. It's ignorance uh, <clears throat> within conservation. You know, I mean, look at. Well, I had one guy. We were sitting there. We were sitting there one time, and 
and that one this one this one guy said something along those lines and one of my buddies piped up and said yeah i'm sure the 12 year old girl that we took hunting last week is going to take all your elk and the guy was just like well uh well and he's like no that's what you're worried about you're worried about the 12 year old girl gonna kill all your elk really and the guy was just like well that's not what i that's not what i'm talking and he's like that's what you're talking to me about he's like because i took my 12 year old niece hunting and you're talking about how we can't we can't keep taking new people hunting we can't keep creating new hunters and he's like and you're you're you are um you're threatened by a 12 year old that's what's happening here and he's like well that's not what i (laughs) and i'm like really though that's 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 what you're so worried about you know what i mean well in the most of those guys uh that are saying that they uh <laughs> i shouldn't say this online but or on air but like uh, they couldn't kill anything if it was in front of them anyway so it's yeah. uh that's the that's the whole mentality and it and it sucks really and it's like you, you would think you know because really hunters are the ultimate conservationists that's out there it's our money that's giving back and hopefully it's oh. going to right places you know we we would like to think it's going to the right places and and really you know as long as we keep those stupid activists uh away from trying to do things you know we're facing a couple things here in oregon and idaho um as well and you know montana's finally got a good governor that wants to stand up for some things you know and and uh you know my home state over there but it's like uh man (laughs) when is this ever going to stop <clears throat> these animals were put for for us here okay <laughs> there, there's yeah. a reason there's a reason okay we're uh we're omnivores right um so it's it's the way it is uh, but it, it, i don't i don't think we'll we'll ever surpass the ignorance uh the only thing we can try to do is is uh you know educate these people um and and hopefully they can see some light you know we we don't bother them and they shouldn't bother us it's just it's it's just good well, that's what you know, I do think some good. Uh, I well, before I dive into, that, let me let me say this though. Um, to the guys who are who who are, we can't keep creating new hunters. We're gonna run out of, we're gonna run out of land. We're gonna run out of opportunity. We're gonna run out of deer. We're gonna run out of elk. There were more world records killed last year than than. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know in how long, but <clears throat> there were ten new world records killed last year. Yeah, ten new world records. Uh, from black bear to sick of blacktail to, to, uh, I mean, just the crazy 10 new world records, uh, Pope and young world records last year. Um, that's insane. And to think that our, our model, uh, of conservation is not working. You're blind to think that, to think that more hunters equal less opportunity and less animals and, and, oh man, I'm not going to have any more big elk to hunt on the mountain anymore. You're blind. Because our conservation model is working, and there's bigger animals being produced every year. I mean, ten world records in a year that goes to speak for itself. And then, and then <clears throat> to your other point, you know, that's what I try to tell these guys: um, is COVID. COVID did one really good thing, and it made people recognize. Wait a second! You mean the grocery store might not always have pork chops? You mean <laughs> the grocery store might not always have hamburger? You mean the girl? I you mean there might come a time where I can't run to the grocery store and grab chicken, and and all of a sudden I have people reaching out to me, saying, "Dylan, do you have any deer meat? We haven't been able to get any meat at Walmart in in weeks." Dylan, do you have any deer meat? The meat's nine bucks a pound, and I'm like, "Wait a second, I thought you didn't like deer meat, but now all of a sudden you ain't got no meat at Walmart, and you're fine with deer meat." Tables turn. Hold up, and yeah, it made people realize. Wait a second, you mean I can't always rely on the Piggly Wiggly? to supply my bacon and you mean i might have to i might have to get boots on the ground and go out and get what i need and uh you know i had people saying i had people saying um well a really good friend of mine they have about 500 acres and they've really done a fantastic job of maintaining the hog population and uh you know they'll get a few hogs on every year and they'll kill them off and they'll get a few hogs and they'll kill them off and they, they really don't have any hogs and uh i was down there not too long ago and i said hey man I, can i go out and shoot a hog and he said no not not right now and i'm like what do you mean and i'm like what do you have me on the property right now he's like yeah we've got some and i'm like well, let me go kill him and he's like man you know based off of covid you know we realized that we might not always be able to go get sausage at the grocery store 
and bacon at the grocery store. And so now we want to keep a small population of hogs. That way, when things get crazy, we've got not only deer and pheasants and turkey, and uh, but we can have some pork too. And I'm like, well, makes sense, yeah. you know. And I think it it changed a lot of people's mindset. So you know, COVID sucks, and uh, but it's changed a lot of people's mindsets about wild game and getting out there and getting your own food. Well, I think I think COVID in general just you know put new hunters out there, like you say. I mean, I, I see it all the time. It's like people that are like. You know, just it's crazy that you never would have guessed this. And I'm sure you see it, too. People that, you know, that's they're more of a presence in the in the hunting industry now than what they ever were. You know, people that were in UFC and boxing and and sports. Don't even mention basketball. That doesn't even I don't even know what basketball is. Um, That's how that's how how I feel about basketball, but like just other sports in general, like, you know, people that are uh, celebrity status is, is getting more involved in that. Um, you know, it, it may, maybe, uh, they can influence people that are on the more, I should say purple side of things. Um, help them understand like, Hey, this is, this is what hunting is all about. I mean, it, it's in your DNA. You just got to reach down. Yeah. It. I mean, look at, look at dude, the idea of not hunting, is relatively young not relative it's really young in the course of humanity this idea of i'm not gonna hunt and i'm not gonna eat meat is really young i that dude you would have been laughed off the face of the planet if you would have said that 100 years ago that well you're gonna starve and die you're not gonna have any food you're gonna yeah. be you're gonna wither away and die if you don't hunt and eat um yeah. and i mean yeah look at these guys you know look at, at joe rogan like him love him or hate him um, you know, obviously I, I completely disagree with his, his, some of his beliefs, but, um, he has done more for hunting in the last, you know, however many years than maybe anybody because he was somebody that had such a massive following outside of the hunting industry that took this, this strong pro hunting stance and he's created hunter after hunter after hunter, um, who beforehand would have said, no, I don't hunt. But then you have this guy come along who was already influencing them in some way and he preaches hunting and, and tells truth about hunting and sheds light on what hunting is really about and the, and the, and the pursuit of game and eating wild game. And, and now all of a sudden you've got these guys and I, I, I just, and what made me think of that was just this morning, I see a guy comment and, uh, on one of his, he posted a picture of some elk and said, I eat elk. And, uh, and this guy at first was like, dude, that looks disgustingly undone and, and rare and blah, blah, blah. Well, then by the end of it, he the, the last comment was like, I really want to try this at some point in my life. And I'm like, you can. Like, just go out and kill one. And, and not just as in it's easy, but I'm like, all you've got to do is go out there and put the work in and you can do it. You, you can have it. You can have a, a, a supply of meat like that. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's guys who who you haven't seen hunting before, you know, taking a stance, um, pro hunting. What is And, and uh, I think, you know, if you look at like elk populations now, no, I, I should, you know, I want to make that clear. It's like, there's been some stupid things that's happened. Like these, these pro, you know, wolf, um, activists that want to bring in, you know, like they did here in Idaho, 95, bring in the, the Canadian wolf. I think we'd have been fine if we'd have just had our native species, maybe uh reintroduced but now now we're back at it after they've done killed everything over the past 25 years you know to like say oh well we just need only a couple breeding pairs so but in general speaking like throughout you know the deer um that's around in in different areas um the herds um except for a few areas uh conservation has put them in populations that are a record book you know i mean so it's good um you know, and for people to back to your statement is saying, oh, you're going to take my hunting spot. Well, you tell people, <laughs> you know, up to a certain percentage, you don't give them your hunting spots. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's, you know, it's okay to like take people out and get them introduced to things because, you know, I think it's all back to, you know, you, you educate somebody on the way of life and they, they realize like, Hey, not only is shooting archery, uh, uh, therapeutic i can hunt with it it's a tool it's a useful tool um, it teaches you a lot of things um 
you know, uh, you know, we can go down through the list, uh, you know, discipline, this and that, you know, it, it teaches people a lot of things, um, you know, if, when you're outdoors, um, he gets, yeah. to step- oh, I got it. I got you know? a message from a guy not too long ago and he said, Hey Dylan. And, and I knew who he was. He's a friend of mine. And he said, Hey Dylan, I've been listening to your podcast, man. And, and you've really got me intrigued on hunting and shooting. And, and first off, I was like, that's why I do what I do. Um, so, so if you, if you've ever wondered what the hunting one-on-one podcast is about, it's when I receive messages like that, that's what it's about. Um, people who, who have been taught and inspired and built to the point that they're ready to take up a, a bow and arrow. But I got a message from a guy and he and started off by saying, uh, Hey, what bear bow should I try? And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and so I get him lined up with a bear bow and, uh, I think he went with the species and, you know, he, he messaged me a few times like man the shooting's going great this is fun this is awesome you know been enjoying it and i'm like that's good man and he messaged me a couple questions about sites or or rest or whatever and i'm like you know trying to help him out as much as i can and now he's to the point where he's fired up for opening season in missouri um on the 15th which i'll be hitting as well um but but he's he's fired up about actually hunting with it you know it went from just this i gotta give it a try i want to shoot in my backyard to now he's going out and harvesting uh, his own meat with it and that's just that's incredible well it is it's uh it's something that you know people need to experience i think and and i think it's just a matter of time like you know it, it all comes in waves you know i think and uh you know we keep we keep pounding the ground with people and and um getting them to understand it all in due time i think i mean we're always going to have those hurdles with with the activists and the do-gooders or whatever you want to call them but it's um we don't have too many of them out west here you know we have them in the in the major cities stuff like that on the coast but um for the most part you know i drive yeah. around well, <laughs> if there's not a guy that has a gun strapped on him or in his back glass uh you know he's like ah, i'm getting a little bit too close to the city so <laughs> it's yeah. just it's no just that's a- what my, one of my my boss at pope and young is from oregon and uh and he talks about you know, all the hunting and, and all the great opportunities in Oregon. And, and he says that he's like, you know, most people when they think Oregon, they only think Portland and Portland does not define who people from Oregon are. You know, he's like that, that's not the normal, like that's not, um, that's a small percentage of, of the rest of the state. And, uh, and so I, I really want to get out and try to hunt Oregon. Um, just hearing him talk about it, man, it's got me kind of fired up. Um, but before we move on, let me give a quick thank you to my friends over at Selway. Um, and I know that you run the Grayling Quiver as well, um, which is just a, an awesome quiver. If you're not familiar with the Grayling Quiver, um, it is a, a, a hard plastic hood. And it, it's, uh, it's got the old Bear Archery logo on it. Just a really cool looking quiver, but it's also purpose built. And uh, Selway makes the finest quivers on planet Earth. Uh, whether you want a, a rawhide quiver or one of the grayling quivers, uh, strap on, uh, slide on, bolt on, whatever, they make the finest quivers um, for recurve and longbows that you can possibly get. So go check out Selway and go check out the grayling quiver because not only is it an awesome quiver, but it's branded in gorgeous bear archery brand. So go check out Selway Archery. And uh, you can check them out at our friends over at Three Rivers as well. Um, they carry them, and they've carried some different colors in that grayling quiver. So go check out Three Rivers Archery as well. Um, now, I saw you post, I think it was maybe yesterday. Maybe it was this morning. <laughs> and you said, pack 12 miles in, um, what's your essentials? And I was like, well, good thing I have you on the podcast, and I can ask you what your essentials are. Um, so when you T- pack in like that, what are your essentials? TP, man, TP. That's what I'm talking about. Don't no more. Listen, no. I need to get I need to get a sponsorship with like uh, Charmin because you know I've cut a lot of sleeves off t-shirts before, and uh, if you got Charmin out in the field, you ain't got to waste your t-shirts no more. Man, that one time it must be an Eastern thing. Every time I come out here, one of these guys that come hunt with me from back east, they'll they'll I'm like, where's your t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, no. One time, man, for real though, I was on a duck hunt and I was a teenager. And I got caught without any toilet paper. And the only thing I had on was like a $120 Merino wool base layer shirt. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. I can't do this. And, uh, that shirt was never to be seen again. 
Uh, man, I tell you, it gets tough out there sometimes. Um, yeah, you know. people they take it. For, I saw one post one time, and it said uh, a couple hours in this, and it had a picture of a blind. After a couple cups of this, and it had a picture of coffee, will result in this, and it had a picture of the a t-shirt with sleeves cut off. <laughs> and I'm like, a, yes, it will. A lot of truth to that. There really is. Um, but I mean, I uh, I kind of. Uh, well, you hear, I got a sick kiddo here today from home from school, but, um, Speaking of COVID, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> no, she doesn't. We, we've had, uh, I mean, it's a lot of, a lot of smoke out here. I don't know. It's just her allergies are all flared up and whatnot, but, um, nah, she's fine. She's a maniac, but, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the essentials for, for backcountry. I mean, I, I keep things simple, um, you know, that was actually on a, on the bear hunt, uh, when I was out for elk too. I mean, it's kind of a combo because I have for Idaho, you know, my, my bull tag and, you know, there's cougar, black bear, you know, everything, everything to fill on that deer season. Everything's all, <clears throat> all, uh, coincide with one another. But, um, when I pack in that far, it's usually a lot of mountain homes, you know, and, and whatever I can get in, you know, without bringing the mules in or, or the horses uh, to pack things in, you know, it's, you know, I, I don't know if you want me to go over the essentials, but my essentials are making sure I have enough, uh, you know, bare minimum, um, you know, to just live off of for a week or how many, however many days they're there. Now, I don't know if it's a, it's a military thing or if you just control, but it's like, you know, some of the guys that go with me, even the cameraman is like, these guys are just pounding water, pounding water all the time. And I'm like, you guys really need to ration yourself on what you do. And I think a lot of people that just comes from inexperiences is not spending enough time out there is like, no, I can tell you what, I eat my entire 12 pack of Reese's in the first day. Always. <laughs> uh, I don't bring chocolate with me. <laughs> No, I had a guy one time, for real though, I had a guy one time we were out hunting and day one, uh, you know, we get done eating and I have a cup of coffee every night after I, after I get done with dinner. And so I'm sitting there making a cup of coffee and he pulls out a Reese's and I'm like, oh, cool. You know, he brought a Reese's for day one. And, uh, the next morning we sit out and we're glassing. He pulls out a Reese's. I'm like, huh. And then, you know, a few hours later where he gets another glassing point, he pulls out a Reese's and I'm like, Wow. We get to dinner and he gets an eating. He pulls out a Reese's. I'm like, all right, dude, I got to know how many stinking Reese's you brought with you. And he's like, you know, one of the 94 packs or whatever, like it pulls out a box. And I'm like, what in the world? Dude stayed strapped with Reese's all week long. No. <laughs> Unreal. Well, maybe I'll see, uh, see how he fares there coming that far. in. that's, that's a just bare, bare minimum, uh, uh, for me. And of course on that hunt, you know, and I'll, <clears throat> the point I would be making to to the essentials is is you you never know what type of position you're going to be in with your glassing. If you have to run and gun, if you're in a situation where you got to drop a lot of gear and get into position to make the kill. Um, yes, I say kill, Dylan. I I'm not a farmer. I don't harvest preach anything. Preach on it. <laughs> What's that? I said preach on it. Yeah. I, I, well, I won't say the wife's the farmer. I, I'm not a farmer, so I don't harvest anything. <laughs> so, speaking of that, uh, I had somebody ask me, "What do you put in your bino harness?" You know, they're asking me like, "What kind of items I put in there?" And I, and I, that's what I described to them. You you mentioned dropping your pack. Um, whatever's in my bino harness, I want to keep in there. Um, is if I drop my pack and something does happen, I've got essentials in there um, to hunt and to live. So you know, a fire starter, I keep like one of the mini um pyro putties in there that i've got a fire starter um mm -hmm. a, an extra little head clip for a light hat clip for a light or whatever um but to answer the question that that i got emailed um that's what i keep in my bino harness outside of my binos and my rangefinder i keep enough in there that if i drop my pack i've got the bare 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 minimum essentials um so that's 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 how i decide what goes in my bino harness <laughs> um but 
uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. With the uh, tell me your bare essentials that you that you take in oh, the in the backcountry with you. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of that 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 post, which is going to lead to um, what's going to be coming up coming up next here, um, just on the social platform of things is uh, is you know it's it's been crazy the past couple weeks. Well, I'll say past nine days because was able to fill three tags there relatively quick right after um uh the Oregon hunt so uh just a little quick thing whoever's listening they'll they'll hear the story before they see everything is is uh dropped back to get in position because I I spotted a spotted a bear that I was like hey I, this is in a killable position I I think I want to get in here and I just drop everything and just a straight beeline run <clears throat> because I knew where he was going. He was going down to the creek for some water, and I was just hoping that he was going to stay on that trail. And uh, we we took care of business there. And I actually had the had the uh, redemption in the hand at that point, but um, I didn't have my pack. I didn't. I couldn't pack him out. I couldn't quarter him up. I couldn't do anything. So from where I was to a, to a an old logging road that we could get. Um, our old, <laughs> we have an old beater of a truck that we can get in there, an old Toyota that we can get in there uh, off the road. I'm like, man, I think that thing's going to be about a mile and a half. I'm like, Ethan, what are we going to do? <laughs> so luckily it wasn't the biggest bear. I wanted it because of the, because the, the pelt that it had, had going on there. It was, it's, it's pretty, pretty nice color, but, um, and I get excited with bear. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but uh, bear's one of the one of my uh, favorite things uh, to shoot. And I think uh, that bear there was number thirty six uh, that I was able to take That's out. Awesome, here. man! But, Congrats! Uh, it's uh, I I said, man, you're gonna have to help me get it on my shoulders. <laughs> so <clears throat> it was actually. I, think I saw a picture of you carrying it out. It might have been might have been one uh, somebody put it, posted it uh, on one of my partners, uh, but yeah, it was point nine six, almost a mile. I dropped that thing four times, and had to, <laughs> I was whipped. I can tell you that. So at forty five, I, I don't want to have to do it too many more times, but uh, um, I had to go back to get it. So it, it's one of those things that it's like, well, how bad do you want it? Yeah, I still want it pretty bad. So uh, <laughs> I'll do some crazy things. I guess I earned the title. That's where where it came from. Uh, just doing those type of things. But um, he is the maniac. It's uh, I don't know. I, it's, All right, here's the real question though. You're getting <laughs> to sit down for dinner. Bear meat or elk meat? Mm, well, I I like bear meat. Uh, the wife likes it with doing some uh she'll make it into sausage and do half and half and make italian sausage out of it um now bear makes phenomenal sausage that's that's if you want to make sausage out of wild game i don't think there's better meat than bear meat it's just already got that natural sweetness to it especially if it's in the fall when it's eating on berries it's already got that natural sweetness to it um that is good in sausage and so Bear makes phenomenal sausage. Now, uh, Shane, I do a little thing on here called Cooking 101 um, from our friends, presented by our friends over at Rebel Six Rubs, um, and they make nine different seasonings or, or rubs for different wild games, and one of them is sweet bear meat rub. Um, so tell me one of the one of the ways, one of your favorite ways to prepare bear meat, and then I'll tell you my favorite way to prepare to prepare bear meat. Well, and that's that's something that we we do like it, um, and have everyone I ever shot, we we grind it up into sausage, and we do it just like we do um, do pork. I mix it, um, you know, about forty percent pork butt. We we put in that and turn it into sausage, and we do everything sage. I don't know, um, that's just what we like. Uh, we're pretty simple when it comes to that, so we we put in that, and well, that's some of the some of the best I like, and then uh, we'll do it in the pepperoni sticks. Um, to me, oh. that's the best best way. We either do them with teriyaki or, or pepperoni, and um, 
I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to beat. I mean, I think that's the best best way. But I mean, you also can do. You know, I think and bear is very very similar to uh, domesticated pig, as far as I'm concerned. You know, if you if you prepare it right and mix a little bit in it, um, I try to take all the uh, the bear render off the fat off of uh, um, off the meat. You know, this this old old boy was like. I mean, I had cakes of it i actually had guys like hey you want to sell some of that i'm like yeah hundred dollars a pound you know i was just being crazy and these guys like i'll take it and i'm like no seriously man <laughs> i'm not selling it <laughs> you know? yeah. but, um it's amazing that people go that crazy i want to cook with bear fat and i'm like no you don't <laughs> no <laughs> but uh they they i mean i don't know i i produce personally don't but i was like there's other things to cook with besides bear fat but um yeah there's a lot of useful tools that you can do with it um but i don't like to cook with it but um you know uh that's what that's what we do with them you know uh i i will cook the back strap i think the back straps are um really good uh because they're marbly um and there's i, I think it's good they're like the way we strap bare back strap fajitas is my favorite it's good. It's really good. Um, we do that a lot uh, with fetus. My, I think my wife's two third Mexican. To be honest with you, because hey, of all she likes to do, so. hey, fajitas is one of my go to with wild game. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's why: because I don't, I don't want to say this in a way that will contradict will contradict the way that I preach about wild game. But you can cook it in a way where people who quote-unquote don't like wild game will like it. Uh, because here's the problem, and I'll just be straight up and honest with you, most people don't like wild game because when they've had it, it's been severely overcooked. And sure, I can't give you a back strap and have you slice into it and see pink and eat it. You're going to be like, oh, no, that's that's undercooked deer meat. No way. Um, but what I can do is is – not overcook it in fajitas and you'll never know because you're just going to eat it as a, as a fajita and you won't, you know, bite into it and look and see, Oh, there's still some pink in there. Um, and so I think fajitas are so successful in wild game because you can get away with not overcooking it and people don't know it. So then these people who quote unquote have never liked wild game are like, man, that was delicious. And I'm like, yeah, that was deer. It just wasn't severely overcooked and dried out to the point where you don't like it anymore, and it didn't bring out the toughness in it. And they're like, "Oh wow, that's incredible!" and uh, and so that's why I'm such a big proponent of fajitas and wild game. Now, take your bear meat sausage and do a breakfast pizza. That's that right there is phenomenal. Uh, like yeah. a gravy sauce and cheese and some scrambled eggs and bear sausage on a pizza. Good Lord Almighty! <laughs> I can get spiritual about that right there. Well, I believe it. I mean, I think you're making me hungry, but <laughs> yeah, yeah it will. it's breakfast time now. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's only seven thirty here out here on yeah. on the P and W. But you're you're right, man. It, it's and I think uh, for wild game to get the best taste out of it, it. I mean, I don't like shoe leather. Okay, I like I like my my meat medium rare or rare. Either or, you know, just depending on on what it is. But uh, you you got to have those flavors in there. You you cook it all as kind of like people cook hamburgers. Man, they're out there squeezing that thing to death. I'm like, no, you leave that juice in there. What's wrong with you people? But um, that's the flavor. Um, but I saw uh, a post one time and it said medium rare is the only way to cook meat. And you could argue with me if you weren't still chewing on your steak over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's uh, you could you could you could you could build a boot out of that thing. But um, yeah. <clears throat> Uh, it's there's a lot of truth to that you know and you know people that come in and visit with us and uh you know we'll, we'll cook i'll cook a, a cougar a backstrap uh, or we'll we'll make fajitas out of that um or elk or whatever uh if my wife will stuff an elk backstrap and they'll say man this is the best beef I've ever, this is the best pork this is the best chicken i'm like dude you have no idea what you're eating do you <laughs> you know yeah. We we actually pissed somebody off one time because um, we said, "Wow, this is you know." After we ate, say like, this is cougar. I'm like, "What would what, you expect? We have we're gonna go down here in the market and get get some chicken? What are you talking about? No, man, this is this is uh, this is cougar." I, I thought I thought I lost a friend over that one, which <laughs> been no foul there, but um, people don't. No, I 
at one time, one time I made some bear fajitas and I gave it to somebody and they were like, Oh, that was so good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, how can I say this politically correct? She's dumb, like dumb as a box of rocks. And I, and she hates wild game. Like she hates the idea of it. She was the kind of person. And, and I knew this going into this. She was the kind of person like that would like fight you tooth and nail. Oh, oh my gosh. I can't believe you shoot animals. And, so I gave her these fajitas and she ate them all. She's like, that was delicious. And I'm like, yeah, you just ate bear meat. She's like, no, I didn't. That was chicken. And I'm like, okay, first <laughs> off, it was stinking red meat. Like you, now, now, now I don't even think you know what you're yeah. anyways. I don't know what she means. She was ready to literally fist fight me. And she still to this day does not believe that she ate bear meat. She will not believe me that she ate bear meat. Another time I gave her, uh, we smoked meatloaf and I used venison in the meatloaf. And, uh, I told her that and she still to this day doesn't believe me. And she had other people say it was deer. And she's like, no, it wasn't. Uh-uh. I don't eat deer. And I'm like, you did. And you loved it. And, uh, she's like, nope, I don't eat deer. Uh-uh. And I'm like, you are literally dumber than a box of rocks. Um, but no, I, I recently had a friend over, um, Dave Curtis, owner of NZ Campers, which, by the way, if you haven't checked out NZ Campers, you absolutely need to um, because they are incredible um, custom-built campers for hunters by hunters, and they have some incredible hunting features built into them. Um, But my friend Dave from NZ um, was talking about how he challenged himself to one year of only eating protein that he raised. And... uh, and I really thought that was a cool, cool deal. Now they raise chickens and, uh, so they got eggs and chicken as well, but I really thought that was a cool deal. And he's like, you know, not, not no other reason other than it's challenging. And I wanted to prove to myself that I can live off what I grow and kill, um, in the woods. And, uh, and I'm like, well, what do you do? Like if you're traveling and he's like, well, you know, I just eat a cheese pizza and a salad or something. Um, but as far as meat, goes he challenged himself to a year of only protein that he har- that he killed in the field or raised you know as as far as chickens go and i really thought that was cool um because again in this world we're living in like you got to understand it might not be there for long you know your your meat resources might not be there too much longer and uh then what are you going to do you know well now that you brought that up is it's that's one of the faces or challenges that Oregon's facing is you know these these morons or uh activists whatever those people whatever you want to call them i shouldn't be rude but uh you know they're trying to do away with hunting um you know if it they need a certain amount of votes to just get it over to a legislative which i don't think it will but you never know you know there's the people that's locked up in a um uh apartment in Portland or wherever, these big cities are pretty much dictating how farmers and we live. They, they dictate how we live because of their voices. You know, meanwhile, we're out here working and doing things that, that middle America do. They're out here doing these things at two o'clock in the day, like we don't even know about. So it's like our voices are never heard because for one, we're, we're hardworking Americans that we want to succeed and we don't have time for nonsense because we're worried about providing for our family. You're getting me off on a tangent here. I get really passionate about these people, but you know they with it. they're trying to like take away our hunting. They're trying to like the ranchers, the farmers of you know saying well, you can't raise animals for slaughter. They're even trying to do away with pesticides for uh, spraying on fields and things like this. This is some of this stupid stuff that you know uh, this guy yeah. had no lost feelings for Bill Gates where he's trying to do all the synthetic meats and. I mean, you people are about as far away from human as possible. It's like you guys, if there is a term for aliens, these people are aliens because they don't, they don't belong in this planet for one, because they don't understand anything. They don't understand. It's like, why are you trying to dictate life? Yeah. (laughs) You know, you can fly to the moon. You got enough money. You fly to the moon. You start your own colony of like synthetic meats and, you know, no hunting and hey, let that see. Let me see how anorexic you look. You, you're you're suffering from some deficiency here. But anyway, and one of them is lack of brain cells. But it's um, they're trying to pass this this uh, you know, the PB thirteen uh, um, uh, legislation to you know for all this stuff. And it's like, what what gets me, Dylan, is is like now you can you can 
um, spay and neuter, castrate, whatever. You can do all that. That's not inhumane, but you can't kill it. You can't eat it, but you can yeah. do like you people. <laughs> are, <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I can't say it nice, so I'm not gonna say it all. But that those are the challenges that we face. Um, you know, uh, with those type of things, and people don't understand. You know, it's just. Oh, it, you're absolutely a, right, man. You're absolutely right. And again, it goes back to that whole thing. Um, you know, that idea of not hunting and not eating meat, that's that's so young and so unproven. And that's why I love that's why I love TV shows like Alone. I'm like, tell those guys not to hunt. Like tell them that harvesting meat is wrong and tell them they have to go out and survive in the woods without harvesting meat. They'll die. Like they won't it won't just be like I'm hungry and uncomfortable, they'll die. And, uh, and, and it's just, it's outrageous to think of, of not hunting. Uh, I mean, hunting and gathering is what literally built our country. Um, and so it's just, it's crazy to think, man. Um, well, 100% back to the loan. <clears throat> I sign up for it every year. I don't know why they don't pick me. <laughs> really? I do. I'm like, come on a hundred days. I'm like, that would give me a hundred days of solitude away from four kids. I will oh, win. <laughs> I, I certainly hope that, that you get picked, man. Um, I, I'll tell you what, I, I would watch it and follow it. Um, my buddy Clay Hayes was on it this year. Um, yeah, he's, and, a, he's a full Idahoan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. From Idaho himself, and he won it. And yeah. uh, and so I think hunters make great contestants on a loan. Uh, you know, the last three guys that won it um, – Oh crap! I just drew a blank. Jordan Jonas, Roland, and Clay Hayes all were were hunting backgrounds, and yeah. uh, and they all won. Why? Because they had stinking meat to eat. Um, mm-hmm. They weren't picking stinking wild onions and trying to survive off of of berries. They had meat to eat, and they won. Why? Because meat is an essential part of life. You have to have protein and you have to have fats to live. Now, protein and fats come from what? Meat, <laughs> and so that's why. I mean. Again, it's like if you could grab these guys by the head and shake them and be like, you idiots, we have to have meat. So you're okay with somebody else killing your meat and you're okay with somebody else slaughtering your animals, but you're not okay with doing it yourself. Like, wake up. How do you like that nice $4,000 person you're running around? Yeah, no kidding. Somebody had to to kill the the leopard that you're wearing on a coat. I mean – um, but anyways, yeah, we're getting off on tangents now. Uh, <laughs> what is, uh, what's your, what's your number one, uh, field note that you got for us? Something I can take and put in my back pocket and make myself a better hunter with. Oh, I don't know. I think, I think that, you know, it's the, the, think that, uh, that you can ever give somebody is just get out there. You know, that's the, that's the thing. If you have the opportunity to get out there and study any type of animal if you're interested in is is just just get out there just get out there um take notes take a hundred hunters successful hunters and not all of not all of us do the exact same thing you know each one of us has our own way of doing things and i think that's an that's important and it's also i think the the best field note that <clears throat> that i can give absolutely Awesome, man. And that's why you say get out there and just do the research and do the study. And that's why you're doing a podcast from your back porch looking for elk through your binoculars. Uh, you know, we, we, uh, I live in a, in a pretty amazing place. I'm surrounded by ranchers. I will never see another house within, you know, um, probably three miles through the binoculars. Uh, so I, I thrive here. The only problem we have this year is everything on my ranch is, is, been hit with ehd we had all the white tails i have one fawn oh. um i have probably i won't be hunting any bucks here i had some really nice 130s uh running around and that's a tank for this area um they're all dead i've counted 27 dead white tail and i'm not a happy camper oh man that sucks <laughs> waste of uh good protein there as uh, we say but yeah that's the thing, but <clears throat> we're always studying, always have the kids out, um, you know, learning things there, you know, that's, that's usually, uh, maniac 101 here <clears throat> in the evenings, uh, and when they're not in school, you know, we'll, 
learn how to look through the vortex or whatnot and and figure things out. Yeah. Well, guys, before we go, let me give another quick thank you to my friend over at Universal Outdoor Products, um, Carrie, Wise Eye Technology, which both me and Shane love. They also carry Baku e-bikes. And I can promise you this, my friend Thomas over there at Universal, he will get you the very best deal on either Wise Eye or Baku. You can head back a couple episodes where Thomas was on, and you can get discount codes for Wise Eye, 6AM Outdoors, and Universal Outdoor Products, or I'm sorry, and Baku Bikes. And I'm talking savings up to like $1,000 on Baku. Uh, again, he will get you the best deal you could ever dream of on these products. So go check out universaloutdoorproducts.com uh, because they carry two of my favorite things, Wise Eye and Baku. So go check them out. Uh, Shane, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate your time and uh, can't wait to have you back on after season and talk about all of the bone that you put on the ground. Bone I'll put on the ground because I, I really don't care about <laughs> size with me. But uh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Have a great week. And with seasons kicking off, good luck. And uh, guys, send me your pictures. I love to see your pictures. Uh, you can send them to me at thehunting101podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to see your success photos and uh, and any tips and tricks you've got for, for in the field. So, guys, good luck this fall. Thanks for listening. You guys have a great week. Bye.